Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 2, Chapter 9, On Lacking All Comfort. There's no great hardship in doing without human comfort, as long as we have the comfort of God behind us. What is difficult, immensely so, is the ability to do without both, God's comfort and man's, the will to endure cheerfully having one's heart an outcast from happiness, to seek in nothing one's own profit, and to have no regard for one's own merit. What is there to boast about if you feel happy and devout when grace touches you? Times like that are what everyone longs for. The man who is carried by the grace of God rides pleasantly along. No wonder he feels no weariness, seeing he is carried by the Almighty and led by the chief leader of all. We gladly hold on to anything that brings us comfort. It goes against the grain for a man to strip himself of his attachment to self. Think how the holy martyr Lawrence overcame the world together with the priest he served. All that seemed delightful in the world he held in scorn. And for the love of Christ, he even bore in patience the taking away from him of Sixtus, the high priest of God, a man whom he loved most dearly. Thus, by his love for his creator, he overcame his love for man, setting what pleased God before human comfort. So may you too learn to give up for the love of God, those who are closest to you, the dearest of friends. You must not take it too much to heart when a friend deserts you. One day, you know, we must all be parted from one another at last. It's a fierce struggle and a long one that a man must wage in his heart before he learns complete self-mastery, learns to turn the whole of his affection towards God. When a man trusts in himself, he easily falls into seeking human consolations. But when he truly loves Christ and diligently tries to be holy, there is no more falling back on such consolations. No seeking for the pleasures of the senses. What he looks for now is grievous toil and painful tasks to be endured for Christ's sake. So then, when God gives you spiritual comfort, take it and be grateful, mindful that it comes from God's bounty, not from any merit of yours. Don't let it make you proud or overmuch happy, or full of foolish presumption. No, let the gift make you more humble, more careful in everything you do, more prudent in action. That state will pass away to be succeeded by one of trial. When comfort is taken away from you, 
Don't immediately give up hope. Be humble and patient about it and wait for the heavenly coming. God can give you back a consolation fuller than that you had before. To those who are well-versed in the ways of God, there is nothing new about this, nothing strange. The great saints and the prophets of old often suffered similar alternations of consolation and dryness of heart. It was this that made someone say, when grace was with him, I said in time of ease, nothing can shake me now. But when grace had left him, he tells us how he felt when he adds, then you turned your face away from me, and I was at peace no more. Yet amid this distress, he doesn't by any means despair, but begs the Lord all the more earnestly, saying, I will cry to you, Lord, and call upon my God. Finally, he has his prayer answered and gives witness to that answer when he says, the Lord listened and had pity on me. The Lord became my helper. In what way, though? You have turned my mourning into joy, he says, and with gladness surrounded me. If that is the way God dealt with great saints, we poor weaklings are not to give up hope if our hearts are sometimes afire and sometimes cold. That is, because the Spirit of God comes and goes according as it pleases his will. It was this that made the holy Job say, Never a day dawns, but you will surprise him at his post. Never a moment when you are not making proof of him. What then am I to hope in? What am I to put my trust in? But in the great mercy of God alone, in nothing but the hope of heavenly grace, I may have at my side good men, devout brethren, loyal friends. I may have holy books or beautifully written treatises, sweet-sounding chants and hymns. But it's little help they can give me, little spiritual zest, when grace has left me and I am alone with my poverty. At times like these, there is no better remedy than patient self-abandonment to the will of God. I have never come upon anyone, however religious and devout, who has not sometimes experienced a withdrawal of grace, felt a cooling off of his fervor. Never a saint has there been so wrapped on high, so enlightened by God, that he is not, either before or after, been subject to temptation. That is because the man who has not been tested by some trouble or other, for God's sake, is unworthy to gaze on God's high mysteries. A temptation leading the way is frequently a sign that consolation will follow. 
It is to those who have been tried by temptation that heavenly consolation is promised. Who wins the victory, he says. I will give him fruit from the tree of life. God gives a man his consolation to make him stronger for bearing what goes against him. It is followed by temptation to prevent his becoming proud of his good deeds. The devil takes no sleep and the flesh is not dead yet. So don't stop getting in trim for the fight. You have enemies to left and right of you, and they're always on the watch. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide, amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, choices of priests, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What should we do when we feel great consolation? We feel very close to God. We feel like we're making spiritual progress. Well, in tonight's chapter, Thomas Akempis tells us what to do. He says, be humble. Instead of being elated, admiring ourselves, wondering what's going to come next in the spiritual life, how much progress we're making, wow, what this is so what a grace I've been given, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I'm already a saint. He says, no, no, no. Whenever you have these great consolations or small consolations, be on guard. Be more careful. And especially just thank God. Some other people will have these consolations. Oh, they're going to go away. Oh, this is all going to all wasted. I don't deserve this. No, no, that's not good either. Make hay while it's sun shining. If God gives you good feelings, consolations, enjoy it. Thomas Kempis is saying. Don't reject what God wants to give. If God wants to give us something, we have to welcome it with both arms. Whether it's good or bad, that's the big lesson from this chapter. We want to accept whatever the Lord sends us. Okay, so we're feeling very close to God. We've been given some great insight. We're seemingly walking more with him now. And then what happens, he says, the state passes to succeeded by one of trial. Well, once again, his chapter is so useful <laughs> because he knows exactly what we tend to do, which is, as soon as the trial comes, the desolation comes, the dryness comes, we give up hope. We blame ourselves. Oh, it's all my fault. I lost it. It's all gone forever. No. We had to be humble and patient, waiting for his consolation to return. 
Because God can give us more consolation, fuller consolation than even before. And Thomas Kempis is telling us in this chapter, there are reasons why God treats us this way. There are reasons why his providence acts this way. But we should always remember, whether we understand it or not, is that this is exactly how the saints and the prophets of old were treated. In other words, our alternating between the heavenly hand of sweetness, consolation, and desolation or trial of an interior sort, that alternation is the standard way that God acts. Consolation, dryness of heart. Sometimes our hearts are afire, sometimes they feel cold. And it's no use telling ourselves, oh, God deserves for my heart to be on fire, and therefore I'm going to make my heart on fire. I have to feel passionate about God. No. We cannot force our hearts to feel what they don't feel. And Thomas Aquinas, he's so wise, he says, we all want that. We all want to feel on fire. Everyone wants to go to prayer and be wrapped and to be full of a sense of God's presence. Everyone wants that, he says. It's just that the Lord has to teach us to love, in the words of Francis de Sales, to love the God of consolations more than the consolations of God. And how does he do this? Well, he, he does it by, by giving us some sweetness, drawing us on like candy for a child, and then pulling back, pulling us away from our sins, our old life, attracting us with these consolations. See, that's what he has to do. Because we're, we're so fixed on this world, we're so fixed on sinful things, or even things that aren't so sinful, but things that aren't really useful for us. And God has to allure us, pull us away. But then what happens is we get fixated on these consolations. Become so attached to them. We become so attached to our image of ourselves as this great Christian who has great consolations possibly. And so the Lord then withdraws them, training us. So that we begin to rest not on ourselves, not in our own strength, not in our great prayer life, but on him, on his grace. Or maybe we feel great feelings of peace when we go to a certain beautiful mass or the organ, or we think, oh, I, I can only be holy if I go to this kind of mass or that kind of mass. I have to have this liturgy. I have to have this kind of prayer book. Okay, maybe. At some time, that's right. But then the Lord says, well, no kind of liturgy, no external ceremony is going to take away original sin's consequences. And sooner or later, the Lord withdraws his sensible hand of sweetness, his sensible grace. We're still in his grace, absolutely. But we don't, we're not, we don't feel it in any way. We're not conscious of it. 
Why? So that we can experience our poverty, what we are without God. So that we can learn to abandon ourselves to him. So that we can lean on him, truly on him. So then why does he give us the consolations at the beginning? Well, as I said, to draw us all away. But even more than that, so that we become stronger when things are going to go against us. Because they're going to go against us. And we have to not run away in fright. And so the Lord wants to build us up, pull us away from bad things, and begin to give us real strength. But then, in the spiritual life, we have the faults that come from that kind of consolation, the pride of those who begin to follow God. All kinds of faults creep in, spiritual gluttony, pride, vainglory. All kinds of things creep in. We kind of spirit over our, our old sins, get kind of spiritualized, as it were. New struggles creep in. And to humble us, to take us away from those faults, the Lord withdraws. And finally, Thomas Kempis says, beyond all these reasons, there is a kind of another subtle reason, which is the devil and our fallen human nature. The flesh, he calls it, that wounded side of our human nature, the flesh, in the words of St. Paul. Flesh versus spirit. It's not the body. It's the, the fallen side of us. The sensible movements that are passions which tend to go against reason. Our tendency to sin. That side of us we call the flesh. It will be with us until 15 minutes after we die. And the devil never sleeps. And so we always have to be on guard. We always have to be ready for the spiritual combat. We always have to be weary of thinking that life is just about sweetness. No, we have to be leery about self-trust. We have to be on guard because the devil is trying to lead us astray. And especially when we're in desolation, especially when the comforts are not there, because no one can live without joy and comforts. And it's precisely when we're at that low moment that we're very tempted by our, ourselves and by the devil to seek some kind of illicit consolation. To kind of fall back into some major sin, even. May the Lord give us the grace to stand firm. May the Lord give us the grace to be faithful in small things so we can be grateful and strong in big things. Lord, help us not to turn back to sin. Help us to be patient, to wait on you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.